you're looking crafty. You could make a raft out of pencils and foam. You sure looking happy. This is a Stitchcraft podcast, number 11. Oh, listen to Miranda still couching. Yeah! You can still do it. <laughs> Hi. We are broadcasting to you from my living room in Iowa City. <laughs> we are yet again together uh, because we spent uh, the holiest of holy days together, St. Patrick's Day. And we are wishing you a very happy and healthy Saint Recovery Every Day. day. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. We're not drinking. <laughs> I mean, we're drinking, but not booze. For this moment in time. <laughs> right. I'll probably already, you know, forget about this tonight and have a glass of wine. And then be like, oh, why don't I feel good? Because I'm an idiot. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> well, we bought a whole bunch of stuff that's like super delicious, but then we went out. And so we didn't have it. And so I have this temptation to drink some of the things that we bought, but uh, I don't want to hurt myself I'm gonna, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a drive ahead of me, so that is... Uh, the balance of my body is already so fragile. <laughs> Fragile. <laughs> that uh, I'm, I have a feeling that like just the smell of beer is going to tip you over the edge. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, not that I'd be sick, but I'm like, I'm drunk all over again. Like Just the, the idea of it. It took me so much water. To get to this point where I'm laughing about it. <laughs> I'm going to hate myself in a few hours. Anyway. Um, yes, yeah, St. Patrick's Day was a good time. And I would, Iowa City does not disappoint as far as uh, options. That's correct. And character. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we went to only the finest establishments that the city has to offer. Mm-hmm. So um, my sister-in-law also came into town with her boyfriend. So there were five of us going around town and we went to Dublin Underground which is in fact a below ground bar it is cash only um, and they greet you at the door with bottles of harp if that's what you <laughs> wanted I was actually in the mood for you know something that was on tap but yeah so that place is very tiny and very full of very celebratory people <laughs> and then we went across the street to Deadwood, Deadwood. Um, another cash only bar but this one has games games and the best servers, I think, the that we ran across. Servers, yes. The best attitude. Just happy, positive people. Also, like, we were early birds, though. I think a lot of people that came out later were, were problem children. We were there. Yeah. <laughs> we were there with our, like, blue plate special AARP <laughs> cards. Like, let's drink early at St. Patrick's Day. Let's wrap this up before the night. You know, like, we're... <laughs> before we make a real scene. Yeah, yeah. We uh, definitely were those people. But I think it was... We had really good um, servers there that really, like, had good attitudes about the day. That pacing themselves was awesome. That's true. Um, and then we walked over to George's Buffet, which, trick name, there's never been a buffet there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why? Oh, Midwest. So it's just like, it's, it is what it is. We're going to call it George's Buffet. Never had a buffet. George's Buffet does serve food. They serve three menu items. <laughs> a cheese sandwich, a hamburger... Or a cheeseburger. <laughs> That's it. There's nothing That's else. Three things. Oh, chips. Chips. Yes. chips. Yes. And warm salted nuts, <laughs> which just never ceases to amuse. What I loved is that the burgers came wrapped up like we were getting them to go. This is how it's served. There's yep. no plates. They just threw them on the table at us. <laughs> and I was like, all right, here's the table filled with hamburgers. My favorite was that they asked you if you wanted it with everything. 
And we were like, oh, lettuce and tomato? And they're like, no. Pickles, <laughs> onions, mustard, garlic salt. <laughs> yeah. We're like, oh, yes. Then if, in that case, everything. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> I just want to know who that prickly pear is who is like, <laughs> I just want the meat and the cheese and nothing else. And I'm like, then why live? Why? <laughs> Sorry. It's just, come on. Condiments make the meal, man. They really do. Um, and then we ended the night at, is it Bo James or Bo? That's correct. <laughs> I just love the name. It's called Bo James. Oh, it's not. Yeah. Oh, I feel like you weren't going to, the look on your face is that we weren't going to tell people. But <laughs> <laughs> there's evidence. <laughs> yeah. Well, when we, when we invited my uh, hairstylist to join us. And my hairstylist is literally the coolest person I know. <laughs> and so Miranda cool. was like, let's invite her to Bojangs. I was like, no, maybe she, not. She came willingly. <laughs> she came willingly without. Well, she's a very good sport. She was very cool about it. If and anybody we... ever needs to have their hair done, Joanne at Haba Salon is, like I said, the coolest so person cool. I've ever met. And has a really good attitude even when you invite her to shitty places. <laughs> Not only did she do my hair in a GIF, like she fit me in this Saturday. I drove all the way down in the morning of uh, Saturday because I just, I just wasn't feeling it Friday. I drove down, left really early, got my hair done, and then I was like, I'll see you at the bar. And she was like, okay. <laughs> so not only did she fit me into her schedule, she also was still willing to go to Bo James on St. Patrick's Day. She's a trooper. She's a good girl. She's a good person. And uh, yeah, so our night was fun. But not dangerous. No, no, no. We were home by midnight, I think. I came home. Maybe even earlier. Yeah, I think it was midnight. I don't remember video chatting with my boyfriend, but when I told him, I was like, I'm sorry I didn't call you. And he was like, we talked last night. And I was like, oh, whoops. Good. <laughs> yeah, so. Happy sorry. St. Patrick's Day, honey. <laughs> so I wasn't sloppy enough that I forgot that I called. <laughs> but not Which... so much that, you know, I didn't come home without a top on or something. <laughs> Well, and it explains why we are drinking what we are drinking now. Yes. So, um, Alan, what's in your cup? Uh, so I, <clears throat> excuse me, I have a little uh, Ace Hardware store, you know, just like our local Ace Hardware store. And for reasons not clear to me at all, uh, they have a section of bizarre and rare and random sodas it's super weird. Sounds like that Ace Hardware the owner is like, this is for me. Yeah, this is what they're into. <laughs> so we found some sodas there that um, I didn't think actually got exported outside of the states that they're made in. So there's like one in particular that caught my eye that I already consumed is a, a ginger soda out of um, Kentucky called A Late One, but spelled Ale 81, oh. but it's pronounced A Late One. And it's a caffeinated ginger ale type soda. And I only ever heard of it when I was in college because I went to college with somebody who was from Kentucky and that was like her favorite thing to drink because, you know, it had a little bit of caffeine in it and it was not alcoholic. So you could like have it late at night and have, you know, fun or whatever. You could still like drive home and stay awake and whatever. <clears throat> and I had never seen it outside of Kentucky. I didn't know and what it was. there it was on the shelf <laughs> at the Iowa City Ace Hardware. Uh, that is also where I found um, uh, sodas from Detroit that I didn't think were made in Detroit. It's called like Frosty. Oh, mm-hmm. I'd never seen it when I lived in Michigan, and then there's a whole bunch of it. Better than Fago. I mean, I don't have any bad feelings about Fago, but the Frosty root beer was very good. <laughs> um, 
And so what I'm having now is an Abita root beer from uh, Louisiana. So, you know, some of you might be familiar with Abita for making uh, Purple Haze, I think is their most well-known beer. So they make a lot of really good beers. But I have to say their root beer is really good. I love it. It's delicious. It's not good for you. I'm looking at the back right now I'm like, wow, that's a whole lot of calories. <laughs> but, you know, I guess as long as you don't drink it too often and it doesn't have caffeine or additives or preservatives, it makes it sort of not so bad. It's soda. It's still soda. Yeah. It's still soda. That's fine. So, yeah, um, that's, that's what I'm having. It's wonderful. And I'm having a lemon elderflower soda from Trader Joe's because Trader Joe's, everything they touch is great. It's and true. <laughs> and... There's uh, there's three Trader Joe's, I think, in the Twin Cities area, and they're all just in a big circle far away <laughs> from where I live, so I've yet to make it to a Trader Joe's in uh, the Twin Cities, but now that I know this is there, it just is going to steal my reserve to go, so it's good. Yep. Yeah, Trader Joe's is funny. They, the one here in Iowa City opened, I think, maybe six months ago. It opened very shortly after I moved here. And what surprised me is that um, the Trader Joe's that I've been to before have been in like San Francisco or Ann Arbor, and they were in places where there wasn't that much space to build. Right. So the store was pretty compact, and the aisles were all really close together. And I thought, well, yeah, that makes sense because that's the space they had. And the parking lots were like tiny and shitty. Well, that makes sense because that's what they had. Well, the one here in Iowa City had all the space in the world. They could have put it, they could have made it any size. They made it the same damn size. Yep. The aisles are still really close together. The only difference is that um, the parking lot is measurably, visibly much larger than any of the other parking lots I've seen. So at least you can always park at the Trader Joe's here. That doesn't mean you can walk through the Trader Joe's. There's always, always some gaggle of children who have like the mini size. Uh, shopping carts who have decided that they're just gonna go barreling through the aisles and their parents are like you know what fine like there's only so much damage you can do <laughs> so like every single time we go Pat is like on a mission to get out of there as fast as possible <laughs> because he gets banged in the knees minimum one time every single time we go to he's <laughs> got Magnus on his knees is drawing his carts to him Jeez. well and the worst part is that like <clears throat> I think he would skip over Trader Joe's entirely. Like, he would just never, ever go. Except that that is the only place where he has found the full-fat yogurt. Mm-hmm. So, like, the regular old full-fat whole milk yogurt. And he loves it. He loves it more than any other food. Than, than knees without bruises. Yeah. <laughs> he loves so more. he will suffer Trader Joe's <laughs> for the whole-fat yogurt. <laughs> Wow. It is funny to watch him go through it because he knows exactly where the items are that he wants. <laughs> there are like three things. He just goes boop, boop, boop. And then he's like, I'm ready to go. <laughs> and I'm always like, oh, but you know, Trader Joe's is this kind of place where stuff changes all the time. And so you can't just like be on a mission and pick the things you want because you'll miss all the other good stuff. Like these sodas that, you know, they don't, they aren't going to make forever. Right. It has no value to him. <laughs> it's just, Island, you and I love the art of discovery. Like we love the the we love the journey. It's Pat, true. Pat just wants to get home. Yeah, Pat <laughs> with wants... less bruises. Exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. amazing. Um, well, I do want to bring up something that we drank yesterday for the "What's in Your Cup" part of this because oh, yes. it is 
It's from Detroit. Yep. And um, actually, can you hand me the bottle? I'm trying to read it. It was brought to us by uh, my sister-in-law and her boyfriend, who a couple of months ago went to a batch brewery in Detroit, where I've never been. Um, But apparently, they're very close to Two James Distillery. Um, And I guess they they were having a good time at batch and talking with the um, brewmaster and... they heard the story about this beer, which made them think that I would like it. And they were totally right. <laughs> well, so I guess one of the brewmasters at um, Batch Brewing Company is female. And I'm not, I don't fully remember the, the whole story. Oh, but I, I can tell the story in brief, which is yeah. that uh, she was at the bar when somebody came up to the bar and asked about what type of girly beers they had. And she was like, what does that even mean, girly beer? Like, what is a girly beer? Like, do you mean a fruity beer? Do you mean a sweet beer? Do you mean a tart beer? Because that's how I feel right <laughs> You want now. a bitter beer? Because that's how I'm feeling right now. No, just, yeah. So, yeah, I guess she made this beer in, a, in response to the conversation about what it is to have a girly beer. Because she personally, I guess, really enjoys, like, deeper, darker flavors, the barrel-aged beers, stuff like that. Right. And so um, this is called Dick Smasher in the Rye, <laughs> and it is a barrel. It's such a Dick Smasher. I was like, man, that's, that's excellent. Dick Smasher in the Rye, a barrel aged imperial stout. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a twelve percent alcohol, um, or ABV, I guess. But um, it drinks like a wine, you yeah. know. So like you just have a cup. Like we shared this bottle, which is like, um, what was this? This is a forty ounce, I think. Mm-hmm. So we shared that um, amongst five of us. Yeah. yeah. So that was. It's very much a very. Um, it's it's not to be guzzled. It is right. not, it is not a normal St. Patrick's Day beer. So we had it before we left. Yep. And that just kicked off the day. It so, did. But it was it was just really um, interesting. And it says like Imperial Stout aged in Catcher's Rye barrels from our neighbors at Two James Spirits, Star Anise roasted in caramel malts mixed spice with. Mix with spice from the oak and rye whiskey. Syrupy, spicy, and big. I have to agree. It was all of those things. And I'm not a real big stout person. Mm -hmm. But again, this was a really... I'm really glad we got to try it. Yeah. It was a really nice treat. So batch brewing in Detroit. A plus. Amen. (laughs) And also, awesome on the uh, brewmaster. Like, what a... What a good girl. Yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs> Came through for us. She knows what women like. <laughs> Big beers. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what's a girly beer? What the fuck does that mean? Yeah. But yeah. It's funny. Like, we've lived our lives saying this growing up. Like, oh, that's a girly thing or that's a male thing. But I do have to laugh now that as we're all becoming far more aware and just, and just seeing these everyday little things that we do that, you know, forms these gender roles and stereotypes... I'm like, yeah, a girly beer is a dumb question to ever <laughs> ask, you know? So, anyways, Dick Smasher in the Rye. I'm a fan. All so, right. Works in progress. Yes. What so, you got? You actually have a project right in front of us. I do. I do have a project right in front of us. So, I am still working on my Edie t-shirt by Michelle Wong, and I am making it in Nitpicks Stroll Tonal. Um not stroll. I'm sorry. That's a, a sock weight yarn. This is a lace weight yarn. So this is the shadow tonal. Um, so Knit Picks still makes this yarn, but they don't make it in this color. 
Um, so of course, because it's discontinued and impossible to find, uh, that's what I decided to make a sweater out of. <laughs> I'm full of good decisions. So I would say I am probably a little more than 50% done with the back. So this is the back. And the way, I mentioned this in the previous podcast, but basically it has a series of cables on one side. So like, for example, the left side is just plain sweater knitting, just plain stockinette stitch. And the right side has this graduated um, row of cables um, that go up at an angle. So it makes kind of just an interesting geometric shape. And the cables are mirrored on the front side. So it will look when you put the t-shirt on actually like you have a triangle of cables around your waist. That's cool. Uh, so it makes it just a really interesting visual look. Um, and I'm knitting it by holding two strands of lace weight yarn held together to make a sport weight yarn. Basically awesome. just meaning that I'm taking um, two thin strands, holding them together to make one thick strand. And uh, the good thing about that is that because this is hand-painted yarn, um, it's going to have a lot of variability. <clears throat> so this is an issue I think a lot of knitters... I certainly didn't think about it when I was starting to knit. Everybody loves hand-painted yarns because it's artisanal. Like You can see that it's one of a kind and somebody's put real, a lot of thought and effort into making something that's unique. The problem with that is that that means from ball to ball or skein to skein, no two are exactly alike. But if you're making a garment and you knit from just one ball for like the first half of the front and then you switch to another ball and the two colors are just slightly different, it looks like a stripe, a line right. in the middle of your work. Because that, that difference that you didn't really see when they were side by side, you'll see it in that bigger piece when they're all together because the human eye looks for contrast and it will find the contrast. Even if the contrast is very, 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 very small. <laughs> uh, so one way around that <clears throat> is to do what I'm doing, which is to hold two yarns or two strands from two different hanks at the same time so that they're blending together the whole time so that there is no separation between one or the other. That's great. Uh, the other way to do it, and I've done this before on sweaters and I'm very grateful I did, is that you knit in stripes. So you'll knit from one ball, you'll knit two rows, and then you'll take the other ball, knit for two rows, go back to the first ball, knit for two rows, and those stripes are so thin that your eye doesn't perceive them as stripes. Oh, it's perceived as a, a slight variegation in color across the whole piece because you're using two things that, that are very, very close to being the exact same color, but because they are in very, very, very thin stripes, you have to look you know, pretty closely to see that it's stripes. And in some cases you won't perceive it at all. Which is awesome. That's yeah. actually a really good trick. Yeah. Um, and for someone who doesn't knit that much, <clears throat> which is me, and some of you might not knit at all, these are definitely things that would not be something I consider. Right. Even though I am aware of natural dyeing and hand dyeing, and I know the problems of that, and I work in, an, in the fashion industry. Like I am very aware of dye, like a, you know, the dye lots being different and yep. yeah, things like that. But that's a really great workaround as far as how to blend it so that you're happier with your end product. Yeah, because there really is no way around the dye lot problem in any 
fiber art or any fabric craft, there's always going to be variation in dye lots. And so you have to decide in advance how you are going to manage that because (laughs) there is no way around it. I mean, Um, even in synthetics too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So if you're if you're interested in knitting or crocheting, um, what you'll see on the, the paper band, it's called the ball band that surrounds the yarn when you buy it. Usually what it'll say is it'll say, you know, you've purchased this yarn brand, this is the name of the yarn, this is the color name, and then it will have a lot number, <clears throat> and that's the dye lot. So when you're buying enough to make whatever you're gonna make, you know, you're making a sweater, so you're gonna buy, you know, six balls of yarn or something. Um, You try as best you can to match the dye lot numbers so you get only one dye lot. Sometimes you can't do that, in which case the varying back and forth is gonna save you. Um, But like you were saying, even with synthetics, there are dye lots. There are some yarns like Red Heart, like some of the less expensive acrylic yarns don't have dye lot numbers because I don't think they're actually dyed in that way I think they're created in that color Um, but if it's any sort of natural fiber it will have been dyed and so they'll they'll tell you what the number is of that dye lot so you can do your very best to try to (laughs) match them up that's very good yeah so that's really the most of what I've been working on Um, as I mentioned on our Instagram feed um, we have been doing a lot of um, traveling and I've been doing a lot of grant writing so I haven't really had as much of an opportunity as I normally would for crafting things Um, so I'm pretty pleased that I've gotten as far as I have on this on this sweater and I'm participating in the Wong Along from Inside Number 23 podcast Um, so I think the podcast um, the person who runs it um, doesn't intend for everybody to finish their Michelle Wong sweaters just because they're doing the the knit along but it's nice to kind of see other people you know progressing on it and kind of like all working toward a similar goal and um and seeing those they're really beautiful sweaters kind of seeing them come to life over time it's been neat I think that's a really interesting when you mentioned that challenge mm-hmm. I was like oh, what a good motivator like mm-hmm. I know that people are like, this is why you need a workout buddy. Like, <laughs> no, I don't want a workout buddy. I'm a solo workout person. But when it comes to certain things like this, like this is a great way of being accountable and having fun with it. And also like, it's a willingness to try, like, you know, there's so many patterns. I like that this one kind of forced a, a, a change or a, a choice, mm-hmm. you know, like we're going to work with her patterns. Yeah, let's do it. So I think it's really good. I love yeah. that. Good energy around that. Um, works in progress for me. I'm actually going to skip over works in progress because we have a listener question. Ah! Um, this is really great and I love challenges like this. And I was just talking to my sister earlier about it, but I love a good challenge. For some reason, when someone presents me with problems, for the most part, I get excited. Um, and so a dear friend of mine, Eileen, um, she knows that we have this podcast and she reached out to me and took a photo and sent it to me and it has two balls of yarn and it's a tape yarn of I would say maybe a quarter of an inch wide tape yarn something mm-hmm. like that it's made out of mainly tinsel and uh a couple it's a pretty popular 
as far as like novelty yarns, tape yarns are pretty popular. Mm -hmm. And I would say that the tensile one I'm not very uh, aware of, but we are coming into warmer months and it's a cool yarn to work with. Yeah. yeah. Um, Wool and the Gang makes one that looks really similar. Might She might have even bought it from Wool and the Gang. She hadn't mentioned that. But her challenge was, what do I do with these two different colors of skeins? Um, what projects can I do with tape yarn? You know, because that's not... You know, it's a novelty yarn. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, so if for those of you who are not familiar with tape yarn, basically it almost is like a ribbon. So it's a wide, flat yarn. Um, it can be stiff or flexible. In this case, the one that she has because it's made of tensile is basically a knitted tube itself. So it is really flexible. So it's not going to um, force its own shape onto the finished product but it is going to function a bit differently than yarn that's shaped like a string because it's just, it's just not shaped like a string. Exactly. So, um, the best, because I don't knit a whole lot, this was a really great challenge to bring up with Island. And the first thing that we did was we actually looked at wool in the gang cause she was, Island had awareness of a, of this kind of style of yarn. And she's like, Oh, well the gang actually has a really great website where I didn't know that you could buy projects completed projects off of their mm-hmm. website but they also have suggestions patterns all these other things that you can kind of use it's a great resource and i really like their visual aesthetic and i really like their names for things and on and on we love them yeah <laughs> um and we also looked at the ravelry page and that's something that island uses very frequently and has been a avid user for years now and we also have a active um page on ravelry as stitchcraft um but it was a great resource. I had never used it. And so seeing it and the filtering options that you can search, you know, by yarn, by project, by there's all these different uh, criteria that you can go through in their search engine um, to find suggestions or to see people's progress. Um, it was really impressive. I think um, it inspired me uh, quite a bit just to see like how people incorporate, you know, different yarns into different projects and to see them side by side. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. So the suggestions that we have for Eileen and these two, uh, two skeins of yarn, um, I'll start with this, the first one. Um, it's the Paradise Bag by Wool and the Gang. And I'm looking here, does it have, does it say how many um, skeins you need? Or just well, one? it says that it uses 164 yards of tape yarn, which is one full ball of the yarn that Wool and the Gang makes. So probably if you had two partial balls you would still have enough to make this purse you just might have to make it look a little bit different because the pattern um, shows you the finished product if you made the whole thing in one color and what I like about this bag is that it's just a it's just a flap crossbody bag and it's pretty small I would say it's about that looks like to me seven inches by four, mm-hmm. or maybe it's like a maybe five, five, yeah. <clears throat> but it's it's just a cute little crossbody bag for the summertime. I think it looks really good, and it's a crocheted uh, pattern. But what I love is that because Eileen has two different colors of of yarn to use, if she wanted to, she could make the flap one color and the rest of the body another, which I think would be very cool with color blocking out there. Definitely. So I thought that was a really good find by Island. Yeah, and um, so the crossbody strap also is made from that same yarn, so you could sort of take your color blocking one step further by having the body be in one color and then the flap and strap in the other color 
as you need to. I think there's a lot of flexibility in that pattern. And it doesn't take a whole lot. Like you wouldn't have to buy extra yarn to make it. Which I love. That really just uses exactly what she had asked for. And then that brings up the other ideas that you could also do, which is, you know, Alan had mentioned a coin purse, or you could even do, um, I always, I'm a big fan of having lots of little bags around instead of Ziplocs. Um, so I like to keep my beauty products in like, you know, cloth bags, because then things don't get too jumbled and messed up. So that could be kind of cool. You'd have to line it. Um, maybe. Or maybe. maybe if, you, if you knit or crochet it tightly enough, oh. you wouldn't necessarily have to line it if you didn't want to. Oh, dig. Okay. Although lining it would give you yet another design opportunity to come up with like a, a pattern of fabric that complemented the stitch or the color on the outside. You know, so you could think of it as an extra step that you may or may not want to take if you enjoy it or find it to be a pain. Right? <laughs> if it's painful, make it so that, you know, you're crocheting so tightly that things won't fall out. And if it's a joy, then make it however you want to and line it in a way that you like. Um, when we were looking at patterns on Ravelry, like, like Miranda said, the first thing we did was to go to Wool and the Gang because I knew they made a tape yarn and I knew that they would have cute patterns because Wool and the Gang is very good for that. But the fun thing about Ravelry is that um, you can kind of see what people have done for whatever type of project you want to do and you can see kind of what it looks like for it for lack of a better phrase, um, in the wild. So when like a real person makes it mm -hmm. and puts it on their real human, not model body, what does it actually look like? <laughs> Which I really appreciate because there are definitely some sweaters where I thought the pattern looked real cute. And then I saw it on real people and I was like, oh, mm. Mm, that's not for my body type. <laughs> it's just not for me. Like it's for somebody else. It looks better on this type of body or that type of body, but it is not something that I want to do. Right. Um, so for um, the idea of you, of making like a clutch or a wristlet, um, Ravelry was super helpful for this. So <clears throat> if you go onto the Ravelry website and you go to patterns, then it'll bring up the option where you can just search by any keyword that you want to. That's okay. I actually like the pattern browser and advanced search. So that's the link right below the the open um, box for typing your keyword. And then they have a whole bunch of filters along the left-hand side that you can use to specify what you're looking for. So if you only want crochet patterns, you can select to only look at crochet or only look at knit. They also have machine knitting and loom knitting patterns. Then you can tell the, the search browser what thickness of, of yarn you want to use how much yarn you have available so that it doesn't show you a bunch of patterns that you don't have enough yarn to make. Um, if you want to include the fabric type in the yarn, you can do that. Um, and that's really good if you have something like, um, like a special blend that yeah, is special hard blend. to... Mm -hmm. Or yeah. mohair, which has a very distinctive look to it that Absolutely. is not gonna look great in every application. Um, and then the other thing that you can do is go down to, under categories, you can choose clothing, accessories, home, toys, and hobbies. So if you go into accessories and select bag, you can say, I wanna see patterns for clutches, amazing. Um, money, wristlet. And I'll say that with <clears throat> only two balls of yarn, I don't really think that's enough yarn to make like a duffel or a tote. So I didn't select those from the list. 
And when you select all of those things, um, Ravelry will tell you that there are five pages of patterns that are available and you can just kind of scroll through and see which of them look like something that you would be interested in making. And some of them are really cute little, like um, there's a dragon change purse. So there's a pattern for making a little coin purse that looks like a cartoon dragon with a little snap top closure. Um, there are others where you would put in, you would install a zipper, um, some that are just have button closures. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of, they could be open small totes versus, you know, cross bodies and things. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. So in keeping with um, the theme of our podcast being Stitchcraft, there was one particular pattern that I really liked the idea of. Um, and I like the idea for Eileen because um, this is a pattern by a Canadian designer who I really like. Uh, her name is Caitlin French. And she definitely makes a lot of patterns that are um, sort of ethereal or um, some things that are like for tarot cards and something. She has a lot of eco printing. Like she just has a lot, like kind of a uh, esoteric, ethereal vibe to what she does. And her, she had a book of patterns that she made a year or two ago in Iceland. And one of them is a clutch pattern designed to hold a moleskin notebook and a couple of pens and it's got uh, an asymmetric button closure cool and her version of it she made because it was a book um, based in Iceland she used Icelandic wool yarn to make her version but the wool is the same thickness as the tape yarn so you could definitely use the tape yarn to make this as well um, and the pattern is called SIF S-I-F and it is named after the goddess of harvest, which I thought cool. was, you know, in keeping with it, it sort of ties the whole <laughs> theme together. A little witchy, a little woo-woo, a little crafty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was just a, a really pretty pattern. Um, and it, you know, certainly meets the need of making something with what you have available. If what you have available is a couple of balls of tape yarn, that would totally work. Um, the tencel is washable and it won't shrink. So... You could certainly make something out of it that um, you could carry around with you. You kind of beat it up yeah. and still put it in the washing machine. It would be fine. It wouldn't become distorted or damaged or shrink or whatever. So, Also, yeah. um, some other ideas. Do you mind if I move on to that one? No. There were some other, um, you know, we're waxing hard and heavy on, uh, on bags because I think that that's Maybe I covet that, and I think those are really easier projects and stuff. But the other ideas that we saw were um, kind of like some halter tops, mm -hmm. some like half tanks, crop tops. Um, it's really kind of hard to do a crop top. You definitely need a little bit more yarn. But I think the the idea of doing like a bralette or doing um, kind of like a half tank that ties in the back, that would also be really comfortable in that tensile fabric. You know, as Yeah, it would definitely like, be good for the summertime. So I think that would be really good. And then we also saw like, you know, as I was saying like that, there's coin purses that look, you know, kind of like critters. You could also just do a really cute, you know, small knitted pat, uh, item. Like it could be a bird. It could be, uh, you know, there's things you can knit with. And it's, tape yarn is interesting. It's an interesting challenge because it is so very particular. But I'm curious how it might look if you put it in the right thing, you know? Well, the other thing that um, we saw that we've, since forgotten about were the um, coasters. 
Oh yeah, the coasters, coasters, and um, what was the last one? Potholders. Mm-hmm. If you did those, but those look really cool with tape yarn because it just made the geometric patterns that we saw in them look really cool. Or yeah. doing a round, doing the coasters in a round. Yeah, you could just make like a circular coaster if you were crocheting. That would be really easy to do because you just make a spiral and easy, you'd be done. Um, and if you were knitting, you could easily just make a square or any other shape that you wanted to um, as a coaster. I wonder if you used the tape yarn and did doilies. You could. The tape, would that be too bouncy? I, I would be worried that um, because the doilies have uh, long stretches where the yarn isn't twisted or looped or anything, mm -hmm. that that part, in those places, the yarn would look thicker because it isn't being compressed. And then um. in the stitches, the stitches would compress it, so it would kind of look... Um, it wouldn't look the way that you think a doily look. should look. Got that it. doesn't mean that it's bad. It might be worth a try. I'm just wondering if she could do like a modern, you know, something for her table or something. Oh, you could you know? totally do a table runner or, yeah, an oversized, um, an oversized doily pattern could be really cool. An oversized lace pattern that just is like a decorative cover for a table or a bookcase. That could be really awesome, actually, um, because it would just take that, um, the geometric structure of lace and blow it out to a dimension that you're not used to seeing it. Yeah. I like and I think that. that could be really cool. You could also do, I've never done this. So I have no idea how hard this is, but uh, you could do macrame with it. That would be actually, oh, how cute would that be to do a macrame like plant hanging? Yeah. Yeah. With the tape yarn, it certainly would be um, capable of holding it up because it's pretty strong because yeah. it's, um, it's a knitted fabric itself. That's yeah. cool. Now, I, I think those are all really good ideas and... If we have other user listener questions, holler at us. Yeah, and if there, so when we post this on Instagram, uh, if anybody has any other ideas about things that you can do with tape yarn, um, please let us know because there are probably some things that we haven't thought about. Or if there's something that you feel like you tried to make with tape yarn and it didn't work out very well, tell us. Please let us know about that too. <laughs> we'll include. I'll include the photo of Eileen's yarn just mm -hmm. so that everyone has a good visual of what it is. And she was so yeah. good; she put a tape measure in there and everything. Yeah. So it's good. I love that. And we'll also post the projects that we talked about. A few of them today. We'll take the photos and and try to link that. Yeah, we'll link that on the website for sure. Cool. Um, all right. Well, I think it's that time that we do our gold stars. Yes, it is. Would you like to start? Sure. I'm excited by yours. Yeah, so when, <laughs> before we started recording, I was telling Miranda that I picked my gold star and that um, it was something that I'm pretty sure we weren't going to overlap on, but I don't know. She may, have, she may have done this before and I might not know about it, but here it is. So um, last week I was invited to Tulsa to give a talk about my scientific research at the Laureate Institute for Brain Research. And the Laureate Institute for Brain Research um, has been there, I think, for maybe five years or so. So uh, the Laureate Institute has been in Tulsa for a long time, but this particular um, institute focused on brain research is a new endeavor for them. And part of their research program involves using, you know, neural imaging and um, various types of interventions to try to understand how the brain works and to try to improve the lives of people who struggle with anxiety and depression and, and other neuropsychiatric conditions. 
So one of the things they have there are float tanks. And float tanks, uh, the concept has been around for a very long time, but its use as a specific research tool uh, is relatively new. So a float tank is basically um, a tub that is full of water that is exceptionally salty. It's basically filled with Epsom salts to the point where uh, your body is buoyant in that water. So for people who've gone swimming in the ocean, it's sort of like how it feels different to swim in salt water compared to fresh water. Right. The salt water kind of buoys you up. This is that to a much greater degree. Is it like the Dead Sea? Uh, I actually forgot to ask them how it compared to the salinity of the Dead Sea, but it's probably similar, I, similar if not more salty. So they actually <clears throat> measure the amount of salt that they put in so that it is the same specific gravity and density as what will keep your body completely afloat so you will not sink. So the tub itself only has 11 inches of water in it. Huh. But unless you make a concerted effort to put your foot or your hand down into the water, you will not touch the bottom. So you float in this 11 inches of water and uh, it was just a really, really interesting experience. So typically what they do is they have two different types of float tanks. So I was in the float tank that's basically a giant tub. It's like, I wanna say like 10 or 11 feet in diameter. And like I said, the um, the depth itself is only 11 inches of water, fluid, um, but it's open. Um, the other type is a closed type, and that's the one that's more commonly referred to as a sensory deprivation chamber, mm -hmm. because in the closed ones, the humidity stays really, really high because it's closed. So you can't actually feel the water on the edge of your skin because the humidity in the air oh. is so similar to the humidity that you're feeling, you know, the water on your arms that it doesn't really feel like there's anything touching your arm or your body at all. That's so wild. But you have okay. to be in a closed environment for that one. Mm -hmm. And they said that um, most people, even people who don't really suffer from claustrophobia normally, that's not the first place they try it. First, they try floating in the open tank because even that sometimes makes people claustrophobic because the sense is that there's, there's very little sensation that you get from it. So my sensation, the only sensation I had was that <clears throat> there were a couple times where I moved around and because I was in the open tank, some of the salt had, some of the water had evaporated from like various parts of my skin and so it left a little salt crust. And then when the water touched that, it generated just enough friction that I could feel it. Oh, interesting. So it wasn't purely sensory deprivation, um, but they do have it set up so that uh, the lights will go off when you wave your arm to turn them off. So when you first go into the tub, obviously the lights are on so that you don't, you know, injure yourself <laughs> getting into the tub. But you get in and then you turn the lights off and I accidentally turned the lights off sooner than I wanted to and I got a little freaked out. Oh. I got claustrophobic even though there was nothing touching me because it was it was so overwhelming to have no sensory input. Yeah. It was super overwhelming. Until you were ready. So yeah. yes, I tried. <laughs> hurriedly turned the lights back on. And I had them on for probably five minutes or so until I got myself to the point where I could like really let my neck relax because mm -hmm. it's very hard to naturally do that. To naturally do that and assume that you're going to float. So it takes some practice. Um, and then I turned the lights off and I floated for about an hour. 
Um, and the way that they end the float is that they play music to let you know that your time is up because it's a very um, private experience. So there's no camera, there's no audio, there's no infrared, nothing like that. Um, they don't even knock on the door to let you know that your time is up. So all they can do is play that music and let you know that it's time. I, I imagine a lot of people come out of like a state <clears throat> essentially when you're in there, you know? Yeah. So it's, that's very gentle. Yeah. Um, and there were definitely a couple of times where I thought I heard something, mm-hmm. but I clearly didn't because it is soundproofed. Um, so wow. it's very interesting how in the, in the absence of information, your brain generates information and it's interesting to have to sit with that and remind yourself that no there is no light no there is no sound no nothing is happening and it's I so I was there just to experience it like I was not there as part of a research study so I was not instructed to do anything in particular I wasn't given any debriefing about what I was supposed to be thinking about or or anything like that the instructions they give you are to find stillness it's the only instruction, find stillness. And also, uh, before you go in, make sure that if you have any cuts, that you cover them with Vaseline, because otherwise it's essentially rubbing salt in wounds. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's one instruction is, you know, prepare yourself. Prepare there. yourself. Um, but the other is just find stillness. And it is a really interesting experience to, to really, really try to do that in the absence of things that could distract you. There is no distraction except what you bring to it. Um, and that was really, really interesting. And so the, the Institute is using these to study um, how our internal body sensations inform our thoughts about our bodies or about our minds, about how our minds work. Um, so they study your ability to detect your own heart rate, your own breathing rhythm, um, any of your internal states that might influence how you feel on a day-to-day basis. Um, And I've heard of people using this as a treatment for anxiety disorders and things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, Like I said, for this particular institute, they are purely a research institute, so they are not um, prescribing this as a treatment for anybody. Um, But it is interesting, you know, some of the things they're finding about how the, the way that we perceive our environment or the way that we perceive ourselves changes when we are not allowed to use other types of feedback to inform it. Fascinating. Super interesting. That is. And I have to say, like I said, that's a gold star because I sort of live in a world of, we all do live in a world of constant stimulation, but I think I dwell in that very comfortably. <clears throat> so I am either at work or I'm knitting, or I'm, you know, I'm doing something like I'm very much a person who is doing stuff. And it is a whole different skill set to really be able to just sit the fuck still. <laughs> to just, choose to, to choose, just choose to, to do it. it. Yeah. And to try to find the comfort in that. Or if it's not comfortable, dwell within that discomfort and, and get cool with it. That is awesome. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, that is my gold star. That is very interesting. I have definitely been interested in these, in a deprivation tank thing. I didn't realize that they had a couple of options, whether it's closed or not. I'll admit, I don't know if I'd be down for the closed one. I he think. said that it takes people some time to <clears throat> be comfortable with that. This particular, the open version, um, people can actually find a picture of it. Um, they were, the, the guy who's running the research, pro, that particular 
um, part of the research institute um, float tank. Most of the work that's done in the float tanks is uh, Justin Feinstein, and he was interviewed for, I think, Time Magazine. And mm-hmm. so they have a picture of him in the open tank, so you can kind of get a sense of like what the size of it is and um, it. what it looks like. Granted, when you're in it, it doesn't look like anything because you shut the lights off. <laughs> but what you're going to be approaching upon getting right, to it. Right, exactly. What's interesting is um, I've heard about these tanks, though, for I would say maybe the last five years or so. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of my best friend Ben has been very interested in trying that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, is it Joe Rogan? I think that's Joe but, Rogan does it. Yeah, um, I think he owns one. Yeah, so he, I was talking with the folks at Laureate about that because <clears throat> the first time that I think the first time that Justin ever used one, it was the same guy who introduced it to Joe Rogan, like oh, intru- okay. who introduced that idea to him. Um, the difference being that, you know, when Joe Rogan is using it, I'm pretty sure he's using cannabinoids and other things. You know, he's, he's, uh, I don't know. He's very open-minded to a lot of things. I'm not. I have not read particularly any one thing, but I just know that a lot of my friends are aware of it because of Joe Rogan yeah. talking about it on his podcast. Yeah. So I do appreciate that he gets a lot of interesting ideas out there, mm-hmm. and that he's helping people become more aware of alternatives and things. Yeah. But yeah, I think he might be enjoying like flying. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Flying mentally, doing fun things with it, which I. Again, I, I feel like um, my experiences of like meditation, when you finally have a moment and you are very still, y'all don't need drugs. You, dealing with your mind is plenty. Yeah, <laughs> it sure is. But and so, I don't think I ever had that experience more clearly than when I was in there. And I was like, you know, I'm waiting for the music to come on to tell me that it's been an hour. And it never came on until it actually did, right? So here I am thinking like, God, I've been in here for like three hours. (laughs) But your sense of time gets completely distorted. Um, You know, because you are, you're thinking about a lot of different things. There's a lot of churn in your mind that you have to get through before you get to a place where you truly feel calm and comfortable and still. Yeah. And uh, turns out an hour is plenty long and it feels a whole lot longer than you think it will. I don't know if I would be able to handle it. Well, you're allowed to get out anytime you want to. I told myself, you know, I am not going to get to do this again in the near future. I'm not going to be back in Tulsa in the near future. And this is a really special experience for me to talk about it with people that I went to graduate school with who are scientists that I really respect. I'm not going to have this opportunity again, so I'm going to do the whole thing. Awesome. If I can handle it. (laughs) (laughs) And then I did. So that that was my mindset was that, you know... If it's uncomfortable, you're going to deal with it, you know, if you can. I I have to give it up to you because you're willing to try a lot of things that are not everyone has got that brave sense of it, like skydiving and then the deprivation tank. Like there's many things that you've done that I'm just like, oh, you just were like, go, go, go yep. in. But I like you're going to do it, do it. And you know what? So many of my friends have talked about the these um, chambers, like mm-hmm. these these float tanks, and no one's done it. So here I am talking to someone who's like, I did it in a scientific uh, place with my friends who are also using this in research, and I just love that you got to do it that way versus mm-hmm. like I went to this weird place in Burbank and I talked to <laughs> they put crystals in the whatever you know like I just felt like this is like a very different um, 
not a controlled environment, but it's out of the context of the woo-woo witchy. Mm-hmm. And you got to experience just what it was, mm-hmm. not what anyone else wanted you to experience. Right. You and know? I will say that I think that most of the float tanks or the float experiences that are commercially available are done in this way. Cool. So I do think that, um, you know, you have to do your research, but um, there are float spas and uh, wellness centers, you know, all over the place. Um, and most of them are pretty reputable. Like, it's sort of like going to the chiropractor. You have to go there with the correct idea about what that can achieve. You know, yes. don't go in there thinking like, oh, I'm going to go to the chiropractor. He's going to cure my cold. No, that's not what's going to happen. You're not going to go to the float tank and achieve nirvana. Like, that's not what's going to happen. <laughs> but if you want to have an interesting experience that challenges the churn that you have going in your mind, uh, th- those float experiences are available throughout the country. Most of them are pretty reputable and they're pretty affordable. You know, if you're only going to go try it once, it's not that bad for a... Well, I imagine that for some people who might have kids or really hectic jobs, mm-hmm. the idea of really taking time out for yourself, like this is absolutely 100% about you and yep. nothing else, you know? Yep. And I think that's cool. That's yeah. very good. I love your gold star. My gold star, I feel like uh, pales in comparison. But, um, <laughs> I'll be quick with mine because been, we're going long here, but I like it. Um, mine is the, the power of changing yourself in the sense of that sounds like really like hard. Like I might as well just put that on Instagram in a pretty fo- pretty photo with birds in it or something. <laughs> but what I was I got the power of getting your hair done. Like the amount of change and that changes in your attitude. Like I always, I'm, I kind of make fun of people who like get obsessed about their hair because I've used to work in a salon and I'm kind of like it's hair it grows who cares like get over yourself. <laughs> but you know it's something that you look at every day and I haven't had my hair done since December. And it's March, so that's it's a long time. That's a haul. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to get away with it because roots are in right now. <laughs> Thanks. But um, you forget how small it is to get your hair done or to get a haircut or to you know, do something that's about your vanity. But uh, just a small shift changes your entire perception of yourself. I mean, right now, I don't know who I'm looking at in the mirror. Like, half, like for the last day, I'm like, oh, shit, I've got my hair done again. Like, it just feels good. It, it's... It's a welcome change. And there's they say that there's a lot around, you know, making a change changes your energy, changes how you mm-hmm. see things, how you see yourself, and that can help really propel people to do different things. And now I get it when people are like, break up with your boyfriend, go get a haircut. Like, just <laughs> do something different. Do a reset. Yeah, you yeah. have to reset. But it's, um, you know, sometimes you just need a small change that will help, you know, with try with snowball you into doing a bunch of other things, mm-hmm. which is really good. So I, uh, I didn't want to minimize it, but I'm like, oh, you know, getting your hair done, it's important, and it's something that I should make it more time to actually get it done. Yeah, I if think it's something I, that makes you happy and makes you feel good about yourself. Yeah, and you can afford to do it. Why not? And my gold star especially goes out to Joanne, who I used to go to here in Iowa City 11 years ago when I lived in Minneapolis. And actually, I was also in school in Philly, and I'd come and visit my sister here in Iowa. I would go to Joanne once in a while. Like, I don't know who, like, just checks in with a stylist in a in a central part of the, of the nation that I don't live in. I would go to her, like, I went to her a number of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but she remembers me. We still are friends on Instagram, and... Uh, She's one of my favorite uh, styles. I've only had three that I that I trust and hold, and I I consider all friends. And I was just so lucky that she was able to fit me in, and it just 
Yeah, good memories. And she's well, going to her is a really good experience because she <clears throat> she's very good at talking to you about what it is that you want, how what type of life you want to live with your hair. Like, are you going? Do you enjoy styling it, or do you want a wash and go hairstyle? You know, she's very good at like pulling out the things that are important to you and making sure that that's something that happens for you. And that the whole time that you're having that experience, the salon is really nice, it's comfortable. Um, everything about it is just kind of like well-appointed and well-done. So the whole experience, both while you're there and after the fact, you're like, yes, this is exactly, when I'm done, this is exactly what I was hoping was going to happen. Like maybe the haircut isn't exactly what I thought I wanted, but what I asked for was not exactly what I wanted either. And she kind of helped me figure out She's... how we were going to get it to a place that was what I wanted. No, she just has a way. She really does. And I also, what I love about her is her aesthetic her ability to like not do anything that's like hyper feminine or like you know oh just do whatever when she when you tell her to do whatever she's gonna bring you some cool options she's not gonna give you the Jennifer Aniston do you know what I mean like and she tells you why she tells you everything she does um and I think that's like maybe it's just me going yay I have a, a good stylist friend kind of thing but it's um it does matter those interactions matter and I joke with people a lot that uh you know, we don't go to church like we used to. So, like, now we pay to go get our hair done, to talk to therapists, and to get our nails done, and talk to <laughs> psychics. Those are our modern-day, like, community uh, feedback cycles, you know? So, it's, you know, it's a it's a, re- a restorative experience. It's good. So, anyways, that's my gold star. So, that's it. Well, thank you guys for tuning in this week, and thank you for your patience while we were kind of delayed by life, so we got off our schedule a little bit. Hopefully, we'll be back on again in the future um you can find us on ravelry as a stitchcraft podcast you can find us on instagram as stitchcraft sisters and our website is stitchcraftsisters.com if you like the podcast please leave a review on itunes that does help the podcast reach more people who might be interested in this type of stuff Um, and you can leave any comments for us on instagram on the website we do see them Um, and also on iTunes, if you like. Uh, Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye.